She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. As Molly suggested, it may be very well the case that all of this was for nothing. That th this was an investigation without a crime. I'm asking him to lay it all out. I stood by Mr. Mueller because I believe in the rule of law. There's politics and there's the rule of law. It seemed to me that uh, that is a substantial finding there, and I think it's good news for, um, you know, for the president and for his campaign. And now, live from the National Religious Broadcasters Proclaim 19 in Anaheim, California, Stacey Washington. <laughs> yes, it's me. I made it here, and I brought daughter the youngest with me. She tagged along, and true to form here at Proclaim, we have a fantastic guest for you starting the show off today. So we're going to have a lot going on. We have Victor Davis Hanson joining us a little bit later. But right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Todd Starnes. He's an American conservative columnist. He's a radio show host on Fox News. And he's one of my favorites. One of my favorite things is his commentaries I was just telling him about. He has those, and he rips open every issue. He's unafraid of the liberals who are constantly trying to attack his network and what he believes in as a conservative. So it's my pleasure to welcome Todd Starnes. Thank you for joining Stacey, us. Stacey, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm glad to be here. Now, I know you're a Midwest girl. Ah, sort of. And I grew up in the South. And uh, here we are in Southern California, mm. and it's pretty its pretty epic out here. It is. It's beautiful. Weather's amazing. Mm -hmm. The people are nice. Yeah. So have you had any good food yet? Um, yeah, we had food in the room last night. I had French onion soup and a Caesar salad. Okay. You got to, I have been told that I've got it. We're going to this burger joint. It's called Slater's 50-50. Mm. The burgers are half ground up bacon and half ground beef. Oh, that's America. We're yeah. getting that in California? It's like the Jesus. Communist Republic? Yeah, it's like Jesus uh, on a bun. Well, That's... I'll take it. I'm all about Jesus. <laughs> And buns on 50-50. There you yeah. go. Well, I guess that's the 50-50 part. <laughs> anyway, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm so glad to talk to you. So this is like a breaking news moment for us. I did not do my show live yesterday, so I haven't even touched on the Mueller report and the uh, at the summary by A.G. Barr. But the other story that's huge today has to do with a guy who really pulled a hoax on the city of Chicago and the police and everyone in Hollywood. And now that he's been found out, they've dropped charges and... I've seen a lot of angry liberals about this. Like, I thought we'd all be mad, but we're sitting back like this is the way it rolls. And they're angry. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a rare day when I'm on the same side of an opinion as Rahm Emanuel, you yeah. know, the mayor of Chicago. <laughs> but he is, I've never seen a public official so angry. Um, you know, the, the Chicago police superintendent uh, said justice was not served, um, that Jesse Smollett was guilty of the crime that he was accused of. And I want when you go back to the original press conference and there was you know the, the superintendent was was a uh, police was on the verge of tears talking about how this guy had used race um to you know basically to get a pay raise you know he yeah. faked a hate crime and this is going to be interesting uh because it's fairly unprecedented and i sh the state's attorney's office is going to have to come out and explain why they drop these charges. I really need to know why as well, because one of the things that happens if you're, uh, you know, if you're permanently tanned as I am and also on the right, is people say, you live in a dream world, it's a utopia for you, you don't think racism exists, or you give people a pass on racism. And I actually don't do that. I don't see race as the driving factor behind most human actions. It is something that is a sin that a lot of people engage in, but not a significant number 
percentage-wise or everyday living-wise for Americans. We've moved past that. But what Jesse Smollett did is he took something that's deeply painful when it does happen, and he faked it. And then he really made not just an entire city of people look bad, but a group of people that are already over maligned, and that's people who wear MAGA hats, people who vote for Donald Trump or maybe are conservative or shop at Walmart or any, any other kind of euphemism you can use for people like me and you. And I want to see him punished for that, not because he's on the left or because he works for a show that I hate or any of that, but because he really perpetrated a crime that damages when other people really experience a crime. And it's not often, but when it does happen, it deserves to be treated as any other crime. And don't forget the, the LGBT component in there as well. I mean, yeah, there are people that are legitimately attacked. You know, those are and those crimes are marginalized when people like Smollett come out there and, and fake the these attacks. But I got to tell you, I was you know, I my suspicion was raised early on. For one thing, there were two things. <laughs> Number one. Nobody in Chicago wears a Make America Great Again ball cap. It's not MAGA country. No, it's not MAGA country. <laughs> and the, the second thing, who in their right mind goes to a Subway sandwich shop during a blizzard? I'm sorry. Polar vortex. They're not. Oh, that's right. It's, it's, that's a, right. It's, it's the worst form of blizzard. It's a polar vortex. <laughs> who does that? The sandwiches are not that good. It's not well, worth it. But also, let's say you were. Let's say you're that guy. Let's say you are out in the middle of the night. It is a polar vortex. You are getting a sandwich. Do you still have the sandwich in your hand after someone's put a noose around your neck and attacked you? It must have been good tuna. I don't know. know. I I don't know. For me, I just thought it stunk from the very first moment he started sharing what it was. And I didn't believe it, but I also didn't know. Like, I was like, well, I can't say anything about this because I'm I'm totally in the that didn't happen camp. As a mom, you can smell one of those weird made-up stories a mile away, sure. and that one really did it for me. And, you know, Stacey, I mean, that's a good point you raised because on, on our radio program, we, we talked about it. I said, but that's all we're going to do because we need to wait and let the police investigate. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they find out, and then we can talk about it. And, and, and here we are talking about it now. Yeah. So what what can you give us? Like, I, I'm— I'm kind of in between on being happy that the president was found not guilty of collusion because I knew from day one he didn't collude with the Russians. And I knew that this was a hack job, an attempt to delegitimize his presidency. And in my opinion, it was largely effective in some very important sectors, namely the amount of Republicans who were kind of wishy-washy on him to begin with, who felt they couldn't really support him. And it impacted legislation that we needed to get done during the first two years. So here we are. He's got two years left. Um, and I really think it impacted the House. The, the, the House was lost in, in part due to this investigation dragging on and the inability of the, the entire Republican Party to kind of become a cohesive unit around a message. So now we have two years left. What do you what like if you could if you could say, look, Republicans, this is what I want you to do. What would you say to them? Well, the Republicans have to stand their ground and they, they need to stand alongside the president and they cannot waver. And that's. That is sort of like the kryptonite for Republicans because they want to be loved. They, they want to be accepted by the Democrats. And that's why you have the establishment, you know, so many times uh, siding with the Democrats. For example, I call them the dirty dozen, the 12 oh. Republicans who sided. My, my Roy Blunt. Your guy, Roy yeah. Blunt. That's and he, right. And he really yeah, is. Like, we were just, t- we saw him on the news this morning or last night on Fox. And Maddie said, hey, he took us for, we, he actually bought my kids hot cocoa. He and I had a meeting at the Starbucks in Frontenac once a couple years back. Actually, it was maybe four years back. She was a lot shorter back then. And she remembered him. She said, I know that guy. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Roy Blunt. I was very disappointed. And I, I would love to talk to him about it to understand why. But I think you just hit the nail on the head, Todd. It's wanting to be liked. 
I, I think it's really that simple. Um, you know, these are people that grow up, they grew up in the same circles, the same social circles, socioeconomic. So I, I think there's, I think there may be something to that. But beyond that, um, the Republicans have to understand that the Democrats want to take out this president. They want to destroy his presidency, and they're going to do everything they can to, to make that happen. Now, here's the, here's the challenge for Democrats. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer understand that at the end of the day, um, impeachment is a losing proposition for the Democrats, and they don't want to go down that path. However, those radical freshman lawmakers, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, mm-hmm. Ilhan Omar, they've got to contend with those people, and they can't get a grip on those. They're not following in. They're not falling in line right now, right. and and that's a big problem for the Democrats. I'm looking forward to seeing what Nancy Pelosi does with them, mainly because her daughter said that she could literally lop your head off, and you wouldn't even know she'd been in the room. She's that smooth of an operator. Yet I don't see any heads lopping off. The Talib, the ones you've named off, Omar, AOC, they're not only not beheaded, they're stronger than they've ever been, and they're they're not towing the line. That, that's true. And 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 to again to, to illustrate how severe of an issue this is for the Democrats, look at the crowds that are going out to the Bernie Sanders rallies and compare those to the other candidates. You you can't. You've got thousands and thousands of young people coming out to see an old guy, an old guy who is a socialist from from Vermont. So we'll have to I think there's a civil war brewing in the Democrat Party right now. Either that or we're going to see the the Democrats take a massive surge to the left uh, in the 2020 elections. And if that happens, I, I think it's going to be a landslide for President Trump. That's my hope. I actually hope they go full bore for it because my my I, I, I go back to the mom thing. Sometimes you set things up, you're planning, you're all on your own and you set things up because you just know it's going to work out great for you. And that's where the Democrats are right now. They've spent the last 25 or 30 years teaching American children that America's horrible and socialism rocks. Now those kids are running for Congress and they're not listening to their parents, Nancy and Schumer and all of those guys. And they're saying slow socialism. And the kids are saying, no, we want it now. And they've got Bernie Sanders to bring it to them. So it's a really interesting thing. And Stacey, this is, and, and you're right, because, and this is what a, a, this is what a, a liberalized, radicalized public education system has wrought. And that's why I'm concerned about the future, because we're going to have generations of young people that have been taught socialism is better than capitalism. Um, the, the the white people who came here to start America are evil people. They're bad my, people. My favorite old white guys, that's what I call them. The founders yeah. who actually rocked, the, the same guys who t- did a whole series of experiments to bring us the form of government we have now and actually warned us that we needed to be a moral people to keep it. Those guys, my favorite guys. You know, just we have a story up at ToddSterns.com uh, yesterday at the Pennsylvania State House. A, um, they swore in the first female Muslim Democrat lawmaker. The, and as in, as in many state houses, they always open up with a, a word of prayer. And so a Republican lawmaker, uh, it was her turn. She got up, she delivered a prayer, and um, she talked about Jesus um, many times in this prayer. And uh, after it was over with, the, uh, the Muslim lawmaker says that is offensive, that is Islamophobic. It, and now the Democrats are piling on. So now here we are in a country where we're being told that if you say the name of Jesus in a Christian prayer in a public space, that's Islamophobic. 
It's not. The reason why people hate to hear Jesus's name is because it works. It does. Jesus's name is full of power and they know it. And especially people who practice Islam. And That's I'm, right. I'm perfectly fine with people immigrating here legally. And I'm fine with people being elected to Congress. I'm not fine with people saying, I can't hear you do the same thing you've been doing every moment until I got here because now I'm here. It's suddenly a, a verboten. I, I can't take that. And that is a huge point. So when you talk about America and Judeo-Christian values, those Judeo-Christian values allow people to come here and, and worship and practice their faith no matter what it is. That doesn't happen in any other country. It happens here because under the Judeo-Christian philosophy, you can do that. You yeah. can't do that if you go to Saudi Arabia. I've been to Iran. Saudi Arabia, but the only reason I was able to drive and do all the things I did 22 years ago in Saudi Arabia is because I had a green ID card. That's what gave me the power to act like a regular American woman in an Islamic country. And I'll tell you what, I can't immigrate to Iran or Pakistan or any other Islamic country mm. and get elected to their halls of government and then demand that they have a Christian prayer. It doesn't work both ways, which is why I, I know people get in trouble, but I love speaking the truth, Todd. And I feel like whenever we see someone in America who continues to wear the headscarf of oppression and continues to say that Christianity is something that offends them and is Islamophobic, they haven't really assimilated and they're not really here for the reasons that most immigrants come here, which is the freedom. So I, I'm, I'm really wary about that. And I'm, I, I can't celebrate people like that getting elected to the halls of power because I don't think they're there for the right reasons. I know that could get me in trouble, but, you know, it's just the truth. And, and again, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think that, you know, if you want to come to this country and practice your faith, and if you want to wear whatever you want to wear, um, that's, that's your right as an American citizen. But I will say this. If you're going to get up and now say, all of a sudden, you're not allowed to pray in the name of Jesus because that offends a certain religious group, that's a problem. And, yes. and we've got to address that. They're not addressing that in Western Europe right now, and the entire continent is being radicalized, and they don't even know it. Well, the last time we were in Germany was 2006. My husband and I took all three of our kids there for a trip. My sister was working there, so we stayed in the same area of Stuttgart where she was, and we spent about 10 days there, and I loved it, but I noticed they didn't have very many kids. I grew up in Germany, and I remember there being elementary schools and so and so forth everywhere, and not so much then. That was 2006. Here we are now, and you're talking about their... They're, they have a problem with radical Islam there, and it's it's depressing. But no, it's not depressing is having you on the show, getting to look at your face while we're talking. This has been fun. Thank you, Todd Starnes. Thanks for joining us today from NRB, Thanks, National Religious Broadcaster. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. That was Todd Starnes. I'm Stacey on the right. We'll be back with more right after this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, we took the spices that we'd prepared it and we went into the tomb. We found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When we went in, we didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. Who took him? Where is he? Who took him? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Where's Jesus? He's not here. He has risen. Jesus was alive. He's alive. Jesus was betrayed, abandoned, mocked, beaten, and then crucified on a cross for sinners like you and me. The Son of God was buried, and after three days, He rose from that grave. American Family Radio encourages you to rejoice in the glorious reality that our God 
is a living God. Hi, I'm Crawford Ritz with a Legacy Moment. Sometimes we refer to a child born out of wedlock as illegitimate. It's as if the child had made a bad choice about who his mother and father would be. Think about that. No, the child is legitimate. What the parents did was illegitimate. I'm so glad God doesn't treat people the way we sometimes do. There's a little bit of arrogance and pride that creeps into our perspective sometimes, especially if we've been blessed with some degree of success or pedigree. I've always been drawn to the story of Jephthah in Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Now, Jephthah the Gileadite was a valiant warrior, but he was a son of a harlot, and Gilead was the father of Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore him sons. When his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of the other woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers. It came about after a while that when the sons of Ammon fought against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our chief that we may fight against the sons of Ammon. This is very interesting. There are three lessons I think we need to glean from this story. Number one, don't mistreat those who don't share your pedigree. It's not about background. It's about availability. Number two, pain of rejection could be your preparation for something great. Then number three, the very one we think less of could be the one who will save our lives. Here's what I want you to remember today. Don't assign value to people based upon where they have come from. Let's ask God to help us to see each person through His eyes. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Asking you question. You brought up Jeff Sessions' clear conflict of interest, mm-hmm. and yet you, I'm told, delivered a rousing speech at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend. Is that kind of public closeness to the president appropriate? Does that not at least give the appearance of a conflict of interest, given your role in uh, chairing the Senate Judiciary Committee? You got to be kidding. Did anybody ever ask during the impeachment that a Democrat was conflicted and speaking out on the behalf of the president? I am a elected political official. I am a Republican. I'm going all over the country to speak to the Republican. I want Trump to win. I'm chairman of the Judiciary Committee. I do my job very responsibly. This committee is going to allow Mr. Barr to come forward and tell us and answer some of the questions you've asked. I'm asking him to lay it all out. I stood by Mr. Mueller because I believe in the rule of law. There's politics and there's the rule of law. So to suggest that if you're a Republican and that you want Trump to win, somehow you can't do your job is absurd. Uh, you also golf with him, though, right? Oh, yes, and I played terribly. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. It's Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right, and we are here broadcasting live from National Religious Broadcasters Convention. The only thing is, today is kind of like day pre one or halfsies one or. Like, it's not the full one. It's it's number one for us, and I'll tell you why. Because we're here, 
And our booth is, I'd say, maybe 50% of the way set up. And there's a lot of people milling around. The cranes are still in here putting down, and people are still setting up their their um, their booths and their exhibition, exhibition spaces. But I'm excited because, uh, well, first of all, this is bucket list for me. I get to do this here after broadcasting from CPAC. And, you know, I kind of kick the training wheels off when we broadcast live from American Family Radio a couple of times during Shareathon. And I will be there for Sharathon next month, so it's kind of been a whirlwind. But today on the program, we've already spoken with Todd Starnes, who's amazing. And you just heard Lindsey Graham hitting an NBC reporter over this absurd question about how he can possibly be anything, um, you know, in support of the president and also be in charge of the Judiciary Committee. Now, let me just let me let me unpack this for you. We don't ever get these kinds of questions for, say, uh, Nancy Pelosi and her rabid support of the Democrats or, um, you know, Chuck Schumer. And he's in charge of this and he's in charge of that. It's always a Republican that has to be castigated for what have you. And, and here's the rub. And I'm honestly, it's so disgusting. It's so ridiculous. It's so unbelievable. We're looking at this. It's, it was a coup. We now have the proof that all along what we knew was right. And when I say we have the proof, think, think this through for a second. What exactly happened that we know about? Well, we know that the FBI and some in leadership there were working together with the Democrats. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't one of those public things where we knew they were doing that. The president allowed it at the time. It was President Obama. And everyone was involved, everyone who was involved, they knew they were doing things that they didn't want other people to find out about. It wasn't an issue of people saying, you know, it doesn't matter who finds out about this. We're in the right. This guy's colluding with Russia. They didn't have any proof. They just had a dossier paid for by the Clinton Foundation spread around among a bunch of different channels, whether it was Republican or Democrat. All of these things were going on under the guise of legitimate operations by the FBI and DOJ. And then in the midst of all of that, you have this... It's almost stunning if you consider they took something to the FISA court. They took this opposition research document. They took it to the FISA court and they utilized it to get surveillance initiated on the campaign of the the opposition campaign to the party that they support. They are all Democrats. They all openly support Democrats. So do you see how ridiculous it is for an NBC reporter to ask Lindsey Graham if he's able to do his work on the Judiciary Committee just because he supports the president? I mean, if that's not projection, we don't know what it is. You can probably look up the word projection in a dictionary and you'll see a picture of that NBC reporter and behind him is Nancy Pelosi with her hand stuck up the back of his jacket because he's just a puppet like all of the other people over at NBC. Puppets, puppets puppets. So in addition, today on the show, we're going to be discussing, um, we, we've got a lot of good news. It seems like we've got a whole basket of good news from, now I know people are saying the Jesse Smollett story is not good news. I tend to believe that the real damage for Jesse Smollett, although he probably should spend some time in jail and the federal prosecution is still ongoing, so we don't know what's eventually going to happen to him. But the worst thing that could happen to him is that the side of the political aisle that he resides in, the place where he lives and dwells as a, uh, you know, an elite actor on a show that's, it's garbage. Empire's total garbage, but he's on that program and millions of people watch it. 
the worst thing that could happen to him is, is what's happened. He's been booted from that show, and he's been put out to pasture. He's no longer allowed at the barbecue. He can't sit at the table. He's not welcome at lunch. He's not their friend. He's not one of them anymore. That is something that is completely devastating to him. And it would be devastating to anyone to be pushed out, to, to no longer be welcome. But for him, it is especially so because he considered himself to be not just an elite, but someone who ran in political circles because he had friendship with uh, Kamala Harris and her sister and other prominent Democrats. And so now he's persona non grata. So the punishment for him is pretty, it's pretty rough. Um, and it could be even worse if the feds prosecute him and find him guilty of something because federal crime will mean federal prison and probably a conviction at that level. I believe a, f a felony conviction that would remove his right, his right to be able to vote. So um, I, I'm not sounding the alarm of sympathy. I'm not feeling sorry for him. I'm just calling it like I see it. This morning when they had the footage of him at the court and then the press conference, he looked as if he'd been like on a four or five day crying jaunt. The only thing that's missing is pictures of him sitting in a warm blanket next to a cat watching uh, Bravo television and eating from a tub of Edie's ice cream. That's the only thing that's missing. So he's, he's got it pretty bad. Um, so we're also going to talk about this. In this story, it's such a win for us as pro-life people. Um, it's the story of uh, Ohio's state legislature defunding the Planned Parenthood there. Um, so he, here's, here's the, the, the kind of big deal there. Um, I'm, I'm always happy to see them doing some pretty wonderful things with the pro-life position. Um, but this is, this is good stuff because they'd actually had lawsuits and, um, they were going up the, the kind of appellate chain with this. Now they're able to defund not just Planned Parenthood, but in addition, um, any other clinics that perform abortion. And that comes along the same time that we hear this fantastic announcement from uh, the State Department. They have actually expanded the Mexico City policy to prevent even more global abortions. Now, if you think this isn't a real problem because abortion is down in America, we had 952,000 abortions in the last reportable year per the Guttmacher Institute, um, that's, that is good news that the abortions are down. But you know what? There's still last year 42 million abortions worldwide. 42 million. How many American states is that? And I often will quote the statistic, and it's from, uh, I think, six years ago. Six years ago, we had aborted an, a number of babies equal to the population of 18 American states. So imagine the scale of abortion worldwide, 42 million lives lost to the scourge. So should we be supporting that? Should we be funding that with our taxpayer dollars? Absolutely not. And that's, that's what we're seeing here. Under the direction of Secretary Pompeo, the State Department just announced they're expanding the Mexico City policy. Now, they want to prevent U.S. taxpayer dollars from subsidizing abortions indirectly. Before now, the Mexico City policy wouldn't allow any foreign NGO, national government organization, that receives U.S. money to provide abortion services, refer women to have abortions elsewhere, or even talk to women about abortion. But as of this announcement, the same foreign NGOs can now no longer fund other organizations that provide these abortion services because that's what they were doing with the money. They would take some of our American taxpayer dollars and they would funnel that through 
to other organizations that actually perform abortions. So we're actually, this is fantastic, fantastic news. And the expansion of this means we're even more insulated from having our taxpayer dollars abroad fund and support abortion. So I want you to, um, to hear this audio, which we have here. I'm, I'm kind of warning. Uh, oh, I'm not, sure, I'm not so sure we made it through with that piece for the, uh, for the, for the audio. And maybe we'll have that tomorrow. Um, mainly because I've been working here and trying to get Wi-Fi going. So live radio, you guys. Um, so the other, the other thing that I thought was really fascinating that I, that I was looking at as we were flying from place to place to get here to Anaheim, California, which, by the way, Anaheim, California, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful here. And it's one of my favorite things is to, to travel, but I'm not a huge fan of the state of California. And so this is only my second time being here in my whole life. So, yes, I've been to Russia I've been to Italy, France, uh, you know, Great Britain, but I've only been to California twice <laughs> and I'm an American. <laughs> so the last time was to San Francisco and it was years ago before they have their current issues that we just won't talk about on this good Christian radio. And so now we're here in Anaheim and it is, it's beautiful. It's, the weather is lovely. The hotel we're staying in is fantastic. This convention center happens to be the largest one in the state of California. That's an interesting piece of information for you. Um, so... I stumbled across this story about jobs that aren't worth the cost of the degrees that people get. Now, the stickler here is if you have kids who are on the way to college or if you have kids at all and later you're thinking they might go to college, we, we really have to be firm about what our kids' natural abilities are. Because if your child is not naturally inclined towards education, it, there are other jobs that they can do that don't require a bachelor's degree where they can still earn an amazing living here in America. And we have a lot of jobs that simply aren't being um, filled when they could be. And the reason they're not being filled is because we have this kind of really negative attitude towards jobs that are considered to be manual labor. So I want to give you this list. It says these jobs aren't worth the cost of their degrees. And you're going to be surprised by what is actually on this list. Like the jobs on this list you're going to be a little bit shocked by. Um, and of course, this is this story is all over the place. It was at Business Insider and also uh, Finance at Yahoo.com and a bunch of other places. And I'm not saying I agree with everything on the list, but what I do think it's important to do is to discuss this with your kids, have a conversation with them. And it's an ongoing conversation that starts when they're small. But it, it's also up to you as a parent you, so some people take this tack where you're going to let your kids, let them discover their natural abilities. And so you don't try to push them in one direction or the other. Now, you can't force a kid to do math or science or, or English if you love English. You can't force a child to have the same inclination that you have. You can capitalize on their gifts, but you can also destigmatize certain things that uh, tend to be not their favorite thing to do by demystifying the process and those things tend to be in the STEM field. Science, technology, engineering, math, which starts with kids when they're really small. So first I'll give you the list. Uh, jobs that aren't worth the cost of their degree. And remember this is people uh, that look at the cost of different degrees, median salaries, potential earnings after 30 years, and they want to determine which professions have uh, the easier time getting by and which professionals 
go they, they go get the degree, they get the student loans, and then they have a hard time actually making a living. So human services worker. In general, an individual that wishes to become a human services worker has a degree in psychology, which costs about $161,700. The degree costs that. Pretty amazing, right? A person in this job can expect to earn an average salary, a human services worker, of $28,060. So after 30 years, that comes out to about $841,800. Think about it. <laughs> or $680,000 after your education costs are considered. So your average annual salary less the cost of getting the education required to teach it is $22,669. So a daycare teacher, daycare center teacher, daycare center worker who has an education degree for that, that degree costs around $171,000. And the typical salary for that same daycare center teacher is $31,000. Now, you can work at a daycare center without having a degree in education. Um, but I think you make even less money if you do that. So it's one of those situations where it's not that you shouldn't do the degree in education. It's not that you shouldn't work at a daycare center. It's that you shouldn't go to a college that's going to charge you forty or fifty or $60,000 a year to get that degree. If you're planning on going into uh, um, you know, the education space for daycare center, you probably should be getting your degree from a community college for the first couple of years and finishing up at a university. And it should be a state school, one that's not going to cost you when you're done this kind of uh, this this kind of sum. Painter, illustrator, fine arts degree sets you back about one hundred eighty thousand. Earnings after thirty years only equal about one point two four million because the job pays about thirty five thousand a year. Graphic designer. Now, full disclosure, I have some graphic designers that I work with. I love their work, but it's kind of amazing. Graphic designers make 43000 a year. That is a decent living, but it still doesn't warrant $182,000 for the degree itself. That That's the amount of money they're spending to get the degree. Now, the next one is, on the list is associate pastor. I don't know if I can agree with that one there. I can't agree with them saying that it's not worth it. Um, they say that the theology degree costs about 190000 but the average salary of a pastor is 45000 But again, how many pastors do we know that went to a school that cost 190000 to get their degree in theology? So um, it's just interesting facts there. Interesting. Well, we're going to be back with more. Um, so stay right there. Stacy on the right. Broadcasting live from NRB. Can solid teamwork building principles apply to all of life? Here's Tony Dungy, author of The Soul of a Team, with today's Uncommon Moment. As a coach, I organized what we called the mock game before the start of a new season. The special teams coach and I ran a team made up of backup players. 
The rest of the coaching staff took the starters. I wanted to see the young players and the backups handle the mental adversity of going against the starters. Who would be able to perform well even when their team was outmanned? Who would go out there and do their jobs no matter what? The mock game was designed to help every player fully own his own role. But that was just one day. Those who accomplished the most were prepared, present, and positive, and were proactive each and every day. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of The Soul of a Team, from Tyndale House. More at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. Bishop Vincent Matthews. Every one of my children have gone to college uh, that are in college on an wow. academic scholarship. And we taught them in our home. So reevaluate wherever you bought your hair or got it done <laughs> one day is going to be out of style. But your heritage is not just for what am I going to do today. It's for your children's 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 children. The Marriage, Family and Life Conference is coming June 20th through the 22nd. Learn more and register at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. When I hear the president saying, you know, you just have to, you have to respect the flag. Well, you kind of don't. Stacy Washington. So I respect the symbols of this nation. I would never burn a flag. I do believe that they're not sacred, but they are important to us in our national identity. He could say, I feel like I have to respect it, or I feel like I don't respect people who don't respect it. But to say that you have to is not exactly accurate. Stacy on the right. Weekday afternoons at 2 Central on Urban Family Talk. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. American culture is in decline. Sexual perversion is accepted. Mass shootings strike fear into families. Television shows promote suicide as children's programming. Church attendance is down. Newspersons defend the violent gang activity of MS-13 under the guise of every human possessing a spark of divinity. That's garbage. The human heart is depraved and wicked and in need of redemption, which can only come through Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we learn that we are saved by grace through faith, not from ourselves, but through God's gift of salvation. Instead of glorifying wickedness, we must start with ourselves. Are we obeying God's word, living and walking with Him? Is the evidence of our salvation noticeable? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus is the answer to a culture in decline. Let's call on Him. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. You can download episodes of Stacy on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It turned out to be the greatest anticlimax in American history. Because Washington has been trembling with anticipation for this report for weeks. And once it emerges, it's going to be anticlimactic in two ways. One, as Molly suggested, it may be very well the case that all of this was for nothing, that this was an investigation without a crime. And secondly, the battle will continue. So I think it's incumbent on the White House and Republicans who think that this is over, they need to understand that it's not over, that the uh, arguments over transparency are about to begin, that the investigations that were kind of spawned off from the Mueller investigation will continue and will continue to dog the president. And moreover, now the terrain shifts to the Congress and the House of Representatives and the Democratic uh, fishing expedition that's been going on now for several weeks. Hey, welcome back to the program. Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right, here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Um, what I, I just, I have to 
point out that all of these things were predicated on getting either preventing a President Trump from actually happening or getting rid of him once he was elected. And, I, you know, for some of us, I think we are all really just supporting him more than we even were before, because just think about it for a second. Which of the candidates who were in the primary against President Trump would have been able to withstand this? Which of those candidates would have been able to not just hold the line, but get anything done at all? The fact that he was able to reduce regulations or get the tax reform passed or do any of that stuff is really kind of amazing when you consider everything he's been under and the onslaught against his family, his adult children. You don't stop caring about your adult children because they're adults. You don't say, um, I don't care if you get prosecuted or railroaded just because they're adults. It's actually the opposite. You're even more concerned because your adult kids have kids and this whole family situation, you feel responsible. They were attacked because they're related to Donald Trump. It's the worst thing ever. So I'm, I am so um, interested in seeing what Lindsey Graham is going to do. He's made some promises. He said he's going to come after everybody who was a part of the deep state, who created this horrible, um, it was really a witch hunt. But it was almost, it's worse than a witch hunt. A witch hunt, meaning they tried to take the president down, but they didn't just try to take him down. They tried to take down anyone who was connected to him. And a lot of people have lost their livelihoods. They've, they've lost their ability to operate. And, and they're still arresting people. I don't know if you saw the stories about how uh, one of the fundraising groups that has worked with the Trump campaign had their offices raided in New York. Why? Because they want to do things to prevent quality contractors in the election space from working with President Trump. How can they hobble 2020, Trump 2020? Well, you can get people who would normally do campaign work for the campaign to be too afraid to contract with Trump 2020. They'd be afraid to get into a contracting relationship knowing that later they're probably going to be audited or um, have their finances looked at. And if even if you're operating above board, you don't have anything to hide, you still have to worry about what laws you didn't know you were running afoul of. And I think that's that's where they keep getting people. So um, there's this website called JustElections.com. And in this election website, JustElections.com, it shows which elections are up for 2019. They have a full 2019 election calendar. They have six elections taking place in 2019, three for governor, which is Kentucky, Mississippi, and Louisiana, and three special U.S. House elections, North Carolina 03, North Carolina 09, and Pennsylvania 12. Now, here's what's important about that. Um, the point that I saw this morning when this was actually sent to me is it's a kind of a did you know. Did you know that in the 2018 elections for U.S. House, there were 38 seats that had no Republican running against the incumbent Democrat? Now, what's important about that? Well, if you don't have a candidate in the race, you can't win it. That means those Democrats were elected without opposition. Now, some state parties will say, well, we're not going to waste a whole lot of money in a heavily D district to even mount a campaign. But you don't flip a district if you don't run any candidates. And this is what we're talking about here. So the Democrats only had two seats with no candidate running against the Republicans. So there were only two contests where they said, you know what, we're not going to run anybody. So this is important. If you go to justelections.com, you can get this information. So the, the question is, if you live in one of those 38 districts that no Republican ran in, 
and you're, you know, you got time on your hands, why not run a campaign? Why not run a grassroots campaign where you have small donors fund it and you travel around and you put your ideas out there so at least the opposing view exists? When no opposing view to the Democrats exists, you get states like California. As beautiful as it is here, as fantastic as the restaurants are, as big and beautiful as this event space is, you heard on the show, you you heard Kira Davis talking about what they're going through with education, uh, sex education, that really it's, it's demonizing our children. The children of this country are being exposed to things that would have been unthinkable, unthinkable just 10 years ago. And now it's not just the norm, it's being forced into mainstream. And how do you mainstream something? Well, you get the wacky state of California to normalize it by putting it in all their K through 12 education systems. And then how does that cancer spread? Well, all educators actually go from place to place in, uh, you know, these, these conferences, kind of like what I'm doing here at NRB. Educators have conferences. And in those conferences, they have new information that's presented to anyone who wants to be cutting edge or, or, or be a leader in the space, they have those breakout sessions where you can go and sit down and you can find out what's going on in education. And then when you're sitting there and they're telling you we're teaching kids about homosexual sex and all this other stuff, those teachers are, are surprised, but they're told this is cutting edge. This is coming out of California. They're the leaders in this space. And what you have to do is you have to be prepared to um, accept this and put it into your schools. With no pushback, these teachers are just going along to get along. And that's, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I can't understand it. And I know this is how it happens because I've been to enough uh, conferences as an elected school board member to know that when the administrators get together with the elected school board members and they go to a conference and they start discussing these things, they end up with these kind of crazy fringe ideas getting mainstream through that conference because people take those materials back home and they take it to their school districts and they share it. And a lot of it gets tabled, but some it never gets thrown out. And later it gets brought back up and then they start using that stuff. So we have to be vigilant. We have to be ready to, to kind of tango on this thing. So um, I want to pivot over to defense. The Pentagon has conducted a successful defense intercept test. Now, here's what's super important about this. We don't have um, our, our technology with, with the Obama years, eight years of kind of drawing down on defense and not spending the right, right amounts of money. We don't have the kind of spending that we really wanted uh, on, on defense. And so it's two U.S. ground-based interceptor missiles, which destroyed a target in space during a successful test of the Pentagon's strategic missile defense system. And this happened just yesterday. So the interceptor missiles were fired from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California, the first salvo launch against a target intercontinental missile, which was launched 4,000 miles away at Kwajalein Atoll in the Marshall Islands. And this is all reporting from the Missile Defense Agency. The first GBI destroyed the target's missile reentry vehicle, and the second interceptor zeroed in on debris and blew up the largest piece in a precision kill. So great pictures. You can find this over at the Free Beacon if you want to see some images of what happened. MDA Director Air Force Lieutenant General Samuel L. Greaves called the first missile interceptor test a critical milestone for advancing the missile defense system. Now, the ground-based mid-course defense system is vitally important to the defense of the homeland, and this test demonstrates that we have a capable, credible deterrent against a very real threat. That's a quote from Lieutenant General Samuel A. Greaves. 
Uh, this missile defense system, in case you're wondering what kind of import it has on news that, and information that we might be plugged into, this defense system is designed to counter the North Korean ICBMs and any future Iranian missiles. The Trump administration also is considering expanding the system with space-based defensive weapons to counter Russian and Chinese missiles in the future. Now, the administration is expanding the 44 missile defense interceptors deployed at Fort Greeley, Alaska and Vandenberg. Fantastic news, right? Um, so we can take some calls. I'd love to have you call in and chat with us um, here on the show. Guess what I just realized? Because I, I always freak out. It's 866-something-something-something-2039. <laughs> I have no idea what the call lines are. <laughs> So, um, while I figure that out, <laughs> the call lines will be open in just a second when I can figure out what the number is. You can also go to uh, American Family Radio's website, AFR.net, StacyOnTheRight.com, um, AFR.net, UrbanFamilyTalk.com. And you can uh, join us on any one of those. And if you're... If you're going into, um, so if you're going into one of the websites, any one, any one of the ones that we have, you can subscribe to the content. And here's why I want you to do that. Because then you don't miss anything. Then you know when we're doing something cool somewhere else or we're broadcasting from somewhere else or, um, you know, you, you know what we're up to. And that's super fun because, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to do. So this is the number that I'm supposed to already have memorized, which I do sometimes have memorized, but most of the time I can't remember it. It's 866-963-2037. That's the call line. If you want to call in and join the program, that's how you can do so. Um, I even had, so Devin's sitting here next to me, along with his wife, who's here. We, we have all family, like it's, it's all in the family at AFR. Um, but there's, there's that. And then... I have Madison here. She tagged along with me so I didn't have to come by myself. And then we have, um, who else do we have? We have Bert Harper um, and Alex McFarland. They're here. And so we just have a fantastic lineup um, of people who are here broadcasting live and also um, just hanging out. Maddie's just hanging out. Now, so I want to give you, um, I want to give you an opportunity to get that number one more time. It's 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. That's how you can call into the show and join us. Um, so then the other thing that we have going on, um, besides calls, is we're going to be getting into a little bit later this rogue domesticated squirrel. So what happens? I know, and I know this is totally off, off of our normal topic, but just bear with me. What happens if you domesticate a squirrel, right? What happens if you, if a squirrel gets injured and you take it in and you take care of it and the squirrel is living and it's breathing and it's doing its thing and, it, and it's, it gets better and then it starts to attack you. What happens then? If the squirrel starts to attack you and you're, you're not wanting to kill it, so you put it out. What happens then? So I'm going to tell you about this story, this, this story and 
uh, what happened with the family that nursed the scroll back to health then sent it out into the world only to have it attack them and others in the neighborhood. I'm going to tell you all about that story. Um, one of our kind of crazy, fun stories of the day. Um, so we'll get to that as well. And we'll also be broadcasting from here later on in the week as well. All of the, um, all the different subjects we'll be covering, news and information, getting to all of that. So I want to I want to get to this story by uh, Eli Lake over at Bloomberg Opinion. Oh, okay, we have a caller, Sam from Tennessee. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Uh oh, I'm not hearing anything. Is he still there? All right. Um, I'm not sure if if Sam was able to get all the way through. Um, Signal might have dropped, but if he calls back, we'd be happy to talk to him. And actually, we're getting really close to the end of the show. I want to give you this information really quickly. The reckoning finally arriving for the Trump resistance. And this is about the Mueller investigation being over and the Democrats and news media and national security state having a lot to answer for. And I just wonder, will, will it actually happen? Will a reckoning finally occur? And when I say that... Um, the reckoning for Democrats, almost everything we've been told about the Mueller investigation, about President Trump, all of those things have turned out to be untrue. And I'm, I'm, I told you guys from day one that I would be fine if he actually, like, if there was some wrongdoing and he was guilty of it, then I would be totally, you know, I would, I would be okay with it. But I also said if he was innocent that I wanted to make sure and I wanted people to, you know, hey, hey, he's innocent. Let it go. Let let him do the job that he was elected to do. Well, now we're seeing what is actually going to happen with that. Will Lindsey Graham actually pull the trigger on these investigations? Will he make something happen? Will people be brought to justice who brought this fake news story to us and wasted millions of taxpayer dollars? I don't know. Um, I I hope so. I hope we're going to see justice. So if you're leaving us now, God bless you from the heartland and thank you for joining us. And if you are sticking around, we have more Stacey on the right up next after onenewsnow.com news and information.